0: We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages
1: with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com.
0: Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast, the post-Soviet podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Manu Veth, and it's a little lonely here today because there's only two of us. And joining me, as almost always, is Tim. Tim, how are you doing?
1: Hey, Manu. Good morning. Welcome to the show. And um yeah, I'm excited to talk. Um It's I'm um, I'm doing fine, because Spartak lost yesterday, so I'm not in the best of moods, but I will talk obviously about that uh, today in details, but overall, you know, life is great, my glasses always are full.
0: Yeah, life is great, except yeah. for that result. Um, <laughs> I mean, people will be wondering, well, yesterday, yeah, is this because we're, we're going to talk a lot about the Champions League today, aren't we, Tim?
1: Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of matches involving many football grad football football grad clubs. So yeah, there's a lot for us to cover. So let's let's dive in.
0: Yeah, it's I mean, so the format this year is different, right? Because um, there's 16 teams coming from just four countries. Um, of course, Germany, England, Italy, and Spain. Those those four countries get four automatic starters, So the the qualification. Um, is a little bit different this year. So there's, there's not going to be any big clubs in the early stages, but there is quite a lot of big name teams from the posts of its base, the Balkans, um, and Greece that we cover quite a bit, right, Tim? So mm-hmm. let's, yeah, let's dive into it. And we'll, we'll talk about Spartak a little later because, um, we both watched that match in great detail and we want to chat about it in great detail. But, um, let's start with maybe some good news. And that's the, the first team is Dinamo Kiev, um, eliminated Slavia Braha. Now, on paper, this was not an easy draw for Dynamo Kiev, wasn't it? Because Slavia is a team that's owned by a Czech consortium, uh, that Chinese consortium, not Czech consortium, Chinese consortium and have a lot of money to spend. So for Dynamo to take them out, that's, that's a decent, decent result for them, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a good. Uh, this is the team which has been, um, you know, on the radar for the past uh, couple of years because they had quite a few players who, um, you know, had some relationship with uh, with um, with Russian league. For example, Dani played there. I think Tomasz Schnetz, I think played there. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. so there's quite a few connections to, to to Russian league and yeah, they 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 have been strong and there was some investment in the recent years. so it's a good result for dinamo kiev um uh, it's yeah i watched the highlights of the game it's uh, dinamo kiev d- they did well um besedin had a had a very good game but i think for dinamo kiev is the, the next challenge is coming up because they're facing ajax amsterdam mm. and in my view both teams should be uh, by their status in the group of the Champions League, but obviously only one will go through, and I think this result against Slavia is a good result, but uh, the main two games uh, will be against Ajax, and this is not going to be easy because Ajax um have have a very decent squad that's a great mix between the youngsters and quite a few experienced players so it's not going to be easy and at the same time you know we uh, when we look at Dinamo Kiev they have quite a few youngsters uh, coming in who don't have that experience of Champions League so i think um again just saying this Slavia Prague they are through it's good but the biggest challenge just coming up, and for a club like Dinamo Kiev, it's massive being in Champions League just for the financial uh, reasons.
0: Yeah, no, Dinamo just spent, um, a reported six million euros on uh, Vladislav Supria, who they signed from uh, Nyepa Adin. And those, those who have listened to our podcast, um, listened to the podcast that Vadim did with the, the succession um, of Njapro, right? This is one of mm-hmm. the two teams that succeeded. nepo the, the Neapolitano petrovsky team that went to the UEFA for, uh, UE for Europa League final in 2015. It's not that long ago. Kind of crazy to think that that club is now in such a turmoil. But yeah, they signed um, this wonderkid, uh, 18-year-old striker. There's an article up on footballgrad.com from that club. So seems to be there seems to be money again at Dinamo Kiev. Um, they made... Quite a few interesting signings. They also signed a Brazilian Vito Poino, um, another Brazilian Chiche, So um, <laughs> another Brazilian Sitley. There's three new Brazilians in that club. Mm-hmm. Um, so there yeah, there's things are happening and it's it's interesting that they also won the first three matches of the Ukrainian Premier League. And then one of those three matches was against Shakhtar Donetsk. So um yeah, definitely a club on the up, considering where they were last year as well, right Tim?
1: yeah, yeah, it's it, we will be obviously watching on Football grad what will happen in the Ukrainian league because yeah, I yeah, also looked at the at the results and uh yeah I know, kiev uh, um uh head of Shakhtar but the leaders are Alexandria out of all clubs, mm. uh, four out of four, so uh I'm curious to see what Vadim has to say about about uh, that club is it just a luck or if something happening there because I don't know much about them, so uh, yeah, we will definitely will be watching. And yeah, exciting to see Dinamo Kiev, especially if they, if they make to that uh, Champions League. Because like I said, they have quite a few young players. And for those players to have a um, Champions League group experience, this will be a very, very um, key, um, key moment. So I really hope to, you know, obviously for them to go through for Ajax Amsterdam, but it's not going to be easy. Ajax is very, very strong, uh, for at this level.
0: Yeah, I'll have this one down as, as a 50-50 game, maybe. You know, this could go, go either way. And, um, you've seen with, you've seen with other big clubs from post-soviet space that they can take out, um, big teams. So yeah, let's see how that goes. Um, really, really curious. We're going to have a little bit of a prediction towards the end of our Champions League roundup, but I want to uh, move on to Barthe Borisov and Karabakh. Now, Tim, I wrote in my, in my preview, this is a post-Soviet derby without being <laughs> it being really post-Soviet because, you know, both teams are from the post-Soviet space, but neither team really has any Soviet history, right? I mean, Karabakh, very much a team of the 1990s, as is Barthe Borisov.
1: Exactly. And both teams have quite a few foreigners in their club. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's not really people who grew up, uh, you know, kissing the USSR badge. Uh, but, um, in terms of that, uh, you, you know, I just, again, uh, based on what I've saw of, this, of that game, you know, Karabakh didn't really deserve to go through based on just the mistakes they made. Um, the the first Batek goal was just a horrendous mistake. And then also the the red card, which um, which Karabakh player got, also was so unnecessary. It was a um, foul in the middle of the pitch on, on, on I believe, 70th minute. Like, if you make those mistakes, you you, you should be out. And, uh, I'm I'm not saying that, but that was way better and they deserve to be in the Champions League. But just based on that, on that match, like Karabakh just made quite a few really key mistakes. And if you make those mistakes at that level, you, you get punished. And, um, if you make those mistakes, you shouldn't be in the um, Champions League group. So I think, I think if you, if we take it as post Soviet derby, it's a fair result. Um, but they're moving on and, um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's, this is, this is a curious one for me because, you know, for Barte, this is, this is a club that has a, a very strong Champions League history, right? They, they've been in the Champions League very regularly and they, um, especially at home, you remember, Mm-hmm. Famous victories against Roma, against Bayern. Um, this is a club that often gets underestimated and still gets the job done. So, um, yeah, I'm really, really curious. I mean, they're also playing a Dutch side. We're having, <laughs> we're having posts of it Dutch weeks <laughs> next week. <laughs> and the week after that, they're playing BSV. Uh, this is, this is not easy. PSV are a very, yeah. good, very good club. And, um, I mean, Dutch football must be just up in arms thinking that they have to now basically send all their clubs through the, the, through the playoffs because of the Champions League reform. They're probably one of the, one of the countries that really, um, you know, really lost out a little bit on this. But on the other hand, it's all about way for coefficient standings. Russia, for example, has two teams straight into the, into the, into the Champions League group stage, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you kind of make your own bet when it comes to the, the qualification process. But yeah, um, really curious to see what Bart can do. I mean, this is a club that doesn't have the biggest history, but on the other hand has won, uh, 12, 12 titles in a row in Belarus, which is <laughs> just an incredible story. And there's other teams coming closer and closer. Uh, I mean, we can t- slightly touch on this. I wanna talk about it in more detail when it's properly official. Uh Dinamo Minsk um absolutely destroyed Zenit, right? And the Europa League um, first leg and um as we record this tomorrow is the is the second leg, so we will go into more detail next week when we know the results of this. But uh it's something is happening in Belarusian football, isn't there, Tim?
1: Well it's hard for me to say in terms of just what's happening in the whole Belarusian and football but definitely but there has been a strong club uh, for years and uh, like you said those legendary victories especially the one against Bayern um Bayern didn't didn't really take them seriously and they got punished for that and uh, you know as a even as a club you know um I, in my opinion, and I talked about this on the previous pods many times, that I really believe that that Champions League experience counts when you have fifty-fifty chances, or even if you have a little bit less chances on the field. But when you have that Champions League experience, it counts, and it only totally counts within players. It even counts with the um, the coaching staff, with the, even the the kit man. Every when everyone is you know ready for the big occasion and ready to work and do their job at hundred percent and be hundred percent focused. Uh, That counts, that counts because the football sometimes won on uh, little moments. And Bate really, as a club, having that history, having, like you said, won so many titles in a row, having this winning mentality and having the experience of playing in big matches, playing in Champions League, uh, that's, you know, that's definitely a, a good sign for them. But as you said, PSV is, is a very tough opponent. So yeah, we have like a football grad versus the Netherlands. We need Dutch expert for, for the preview next time. We'll get Peter on. <laughs> Peter Loin, <laughs> He knows his stuff
0: about both those clubs. Um, just really briefly stick to that because we do have a lot of Dutch listeners. And for those, um, I think especially the away game, you are in for a treat if you're a Dutch fan because the, the uh, Boisau arena is an absolutely stunning facility. It's built into the forests, um, outside of the, what's a very small town. I mean, this is what another thing that people don't realize, uh, for a long, long, long time, uh, Borisov had to play in, in Minsk when they played Champions League. And then they built this really beautiful stadium, which is, yeah, just located just outside uh, the town and then, um, it's probably one of the nicest stadiums in the area, in, in, in all of the post-Soviet space. If you if you don't know what I mean, go to com. We have, and have a picture up on it um, in one of the previews that we did. So I think that in terms of that, PSV fans are really in for a treat and um, experience maybe something completely new. Right, Tim?
1: Yeah, and it's also you know the cool thing. It's not a big stadium; it's only what thirteen thousand or so. But it's when it gets filled up, you get this you know the the feel of that compact stadium, um especially when it's sold out for like Champions League games. So it's a very like you said, it's an, a nice place, and then, um it's a f- f- football. It's a proper football stadium where you get the the energy of a good football match. So yeah, if if the any Dutch uh fans will go there, they they they're up for a treat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now let's let's move on to um our next team. Um next two teams I guess because we're doing both the post Soviet space and the Balkans. Astana. Um Tim, we don't have we won't have teams flying halfway across the world, I guess, in the Champions League this <laughs> year. <laughs> because Astana are out out of the Champions League. Um I wrote the the preview for Astana against Dinamo Zagreb and I I always this is I mean this is almost tradition. I always look up the flight time between <laughs> Astana and the team that they're playing and the flight time from Astana to the, to Zagreb is seven hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That's, um, Toronto to Munich. <laughs> <laughs> Just to put that to <laughs>
1: <And> fish- <laughs> Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yes. So not for like the crazy one was when Atletico Madrid went there. It was something like this, like a long, long flight. Um, yeah, but th- that game, um, I think the, the the tie was lost in the first leg when they lost uh, two nothing at home, so it was very hard for them to 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 come back. And really they didn't have too many chances. The only somewhat chance they had it was when they hit the post. On the 70th minute, when they already were one nothing down, so three zero on aggregate. So it's it did, I, Astana didn't really impress in that time. Of, unfortunately, it's also I, I like I really like that stadium, Maximir. It's like the old, it's a big awkward stadium, but that's the reason I like it. But it was fairly unfortunate to see it being primarily. Empty there was like a group section of fans um that fans that stadium is you know interesting, has lots of history, so it's nice to see it, but it's not nice to see it half half empty so yeah, especially after what um uh Croatia. Achieved in the World Cup, so you expect maybe a little bit of, um, increase of attendance, uh, there, but, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't there. But I, I love that stadium. Speaking of stadiums, that's, it's such an awkward stadium, but that, that's the reason I, I like it. Yeah, the,
0: the maximia is, it's an interesting one because, of course, it's missing a roof. It's, it was never really finished, um, in terms of construction. It's a bit of, um, contentious story, too. Uh, you you mentioned Croatia and their World Cup success, right? Um, the Croatian team that reached the final had 14 players that have been either trained by Dinamo or have played for Dinamo Zagreb in the past. I think 11 of those players came from Dinamo Zagreb's youth academy. So that's that shows you quite a bit in terms of what that club means for the country in terms of positives But in terms of negatives, there's unfortunately also the fact that Dinamo Sacre for a long time was run by uh, Stravko Mamic, right? Um, a person who is currently in exile in Bosnia because he is, um, he's running away from justice. Uh, he's, he's looked, he's looking for him for racketeering, money laundering. Um, I think there's, even suspicions that they could have been, that he could have instigated a hit. Again, suspicions. So it's, um, a very questionable character who ran the club for a very long time and had his hands in all the major transfers that were outgoing. So every time the, the club sold, sold a player, he took money. And as a result, so that someone like Modric, for example, had to, had to say, to speak at court um and um is currently under investigations as well for retracting his statements and making various statements in court so um he is facing potential charges as well and as a result a lot of fans have become very disillusioned with the club and on top of that um you have a stadium that looks it looks cool on pictures i agree with you uh, tim but i'm not sure how cool it is uh, it is probably very cool in November, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, without the roof, um, I remember we had them, um, we had Dinamo Zagreb. and this is when I, when I, uh, first came across this mom story, where we had, uh, Dinamo Zagreb play in Munich in 2015, and I was at that game, uh, Bayern against, uh, Dinamo Zagreb. and the Bayern fans, um together with the, the Dinamo fans and Dinamo fans have the tendency to only go to back then we only went to away games because they boycott boycotted the stadium at home. And um that's when I was made aware of this the this Dravko case and the the problems that the club had. And Mamic was never the president of the club. He was he was not even an elected official. Um, he was just a sporting director but he ran the club like his own fiefdom. And they had these um everyone had these shirts on. Where Mamich's face was crossed out, right? One of those stop signs and Mamich's yeah, face yeah. was behind that. And it's like free Dynamo and all that kind of stuff because of all the, the bad business that was going on at the club. So Mamich is no longer involved. Um, but I think the club will have to still take, go a long way to, to win the fans back because something like that. I mean, it is a matter of trust. And when you have problems with trust between fans and the club, that can take a long time for it, for it to heal. And I think, I mean, one good way to do it, Tim, is to get back into the Champions League group stage, right? Because that's something that they haven't done in a couple of years because last year they didn't win the title. Rika won the title. And the year before they didn't qualify. So it's getting back into the group stage is basically the best thing for them to do. Plus, plus um, it's every scout's dream because this is a club that produces some of the best talent in the world.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, they have a fairly, you know, I won't say easy opponent, but like easier than Ajax Amsterdam or PSV. they play in young boys. So, you know, I think they have, they have a chance. And like you said, they always have been producing those young players, uh, which just, yeah, be, being sold. And um, that's uh, the best advertisement for young players as Champions League. So yeah, that's 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 a good that's a good sign for them. Obviously, that will be great if they can make it to the to the to the Champions League. Unfortunately, the last the last few times they were in the Champions League, they weren't really uh, able to compete. What was the legendary game against Real Madrid? Was it eight nothing or something yeah. like that? Uh, so, um, but again, like you said, they, they produce young players, which is always interesting. And we cover Balkan football. So th- that's good for us. If they make the Champions League, we'll, we'll uh, be able to watch some new youngsters in, 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 in the Champions League, in the group stage.
0: I'm glad you're bringing up young boys because this is another very interesting club. They won the Swiss title last season. Finally, someone broke uh, Basel's dominance. And <laughs> I know you, you have played in Switzerland, Tim, and, um, you attach to Swiss football. So young boys is a really good club, but they lost their head coach Adi Hütter, to Eindracht Frankfurt, which is something that we touched on on the Gegenpressing podcast, right? Um, uh-huh. so this is possibly not a bad time to play young boys, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the young boys always like they played against Esca. So we, that was the club which also connected to the football grad. And uh, we saw them play. I be, I believe, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that, um, do, Doom, do, see, do, came for young boys, I yeah. believe. Yeah. So um, you know, yeah. Again, like you said, the, the the new coach. We, you know, I haven't seen the young boys this season yet, but again, it just um, it's 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 you know. Every I'm like you said, I'm very attached to Switzerland. I'm always um, watching out for all the Swiss uh, teams, uh, just just for the reason because yeah, I lived there and I played there. But uh, the again that's that's good that's good. You, i agree with you it's a good chance for them to play uh, right now uh, young boys and um again that's will be again another interesting uh, tie for for the football grad uh, network and for the listeners
0: yeah so young boys have won the first four matches of the season and are currently 5 points ahead of basel once again <laughs> <laughs> so much to the the easy tie but um, see, though, <laughs> because the they're, they're the one issue that they're facing is that some of the players that they have um are, are linked to to clubs, especially in Germany. Kevin and for example, um a Swiss a Swiss right back, um he's being linked to RB Leipzig. So, uh, yeah, I guess for them, Champions League football is going to be very important to just hang on to a lot of the very talented players they have, um. In, in the squad and uh, the new coach Gerardo Seone a Swiss Spanish um, head coach uh, he will have to, to work very hard to keep all these players basically together um, because the, the transfer window of course in Germany doesn't close till August 31st and uh, German clubs doing the business a little later than usual um, because they are kind of they waited for England to close their transfer window right and the transfer window in England closed very early August and August August 9th so that um, because they know now the biggest financial competitor is out of the market and then prices will naturally drop right so they I can see um, a lot of a lot of clubs in Germany will have watched what happened last night because teams going out of the Champions League all of a sudden they may have to downgrade their squads so, or uh, make money a different way and I know a lot of clubs will also watch um, the the playoffs because by the time the playoffs come or finish on August 29th then you have two more days to conclude any deals right so i think for for the german market that's going to be quite important um so really curious to see this this affects both young boys and dinamo because those are two clubs that have a ton of talented players um and it's it's going to be yeah really interesting to see and that actually also affects our next club right tim because red star are another club serbian club um, another team that, I like to cl- call these clubs the youth academies of Europe, <laughs> <laughs> because when you look at Red Star, the amount of talent that they produce, together with Partizan, the other Belgrade-based club, we talked about this ahead of the World Cup, could you imagine the the Balkan, the, 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 all of Yugoslavia were still one country, we had Croatia, a country of what, 5 million people, make the, the World Cup final. Um imagine they had a team together though, because or had a even a league where they would be all playing a against league, each yeah, other yeah. to to just keep this talent at home for a little longer. Because it's just incredible. And Red Star definitely one of those teams where you just where you just look at all the potential and all the players that they have that left um over the many, many years. It's um it's almost a frustrating and a little bit of a sad story, isn't it?
1: Well, yeah, but it also comes down obviously to 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 the, the to the money because the clubs need to sell their best players mm-hmm. to to survive and at the same time they have the players want to go to the bigger contracts and to the big, bigger leagues so it's kind of it's as as usual it's linked with the um, overall financial situation in the country and then the um, ec- economics of of the country. So yeah but uh, but that's how unfortunately those clubs have to to live they have to have a strong academy and they have to source all the best players in the domestic league and then unfortunately sell them to the to the bigger leagues that's that's the recipe of financial success for clubs especially from Balkans.
0: Yeah uh, and we currently I mean Red Star got the job done and uh, I had to write the preview for this one Tim and uh, Spartak Trnava um I had to look it up. <laughs> it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't happen a lot of times when I, I look at a club name like I have no idea. Um <laughs> I suspected somewhere beyond the Iron Curtain, of course, because of the name Spartak. <laughs> um but that was yeah, that was basically it. Um I can tell you now that they're Slovakian. Uh I can tell you that they were a club that were very successful in the seventies that they won a Czechoslovakian title and they haven't won anything since. So this is the 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 championship in Slovakia last year was their first title ever. So um I had I did not really know what to expect in in terms of this tie. And um I watched the first first tie and it was one one and I thought this would be typical um Red Star because Red Star is of course a club that Hasn't, uh, won the, won the Champions League or the, what's they called back then the European Cup, right? This was the mm-hmm. one, the first time the European Cup had a group stage. Um, this was the 1990, 1991 season. And it really was the, what I say, it was the last hooray of Yugoslav football. Because of course, when they won the title in 1991, shortly after that, the civil war started in Yugoslavia and then the, the breakup of the country ensued. So it's really kind of, a sad story in a way too because you have this this fantastic club and when you look at this club this this wasn't just a serbian team because they were were croats playing for this team too they were montenegrins playing for this team um i think red legendary red star and they're one of those clubs um i know your team spartak you guys have a fan friendship with them don't you
1: yeah yeah Spartak uh, um, uh Zvezda and Olympiacos they have this uh, I think it's called Triada um and um, to be quite honest I, I let la- try to look into the history of that what was the connection and the connection was that I think it's Rivianas fans helped out Spartak fans at some point of time in, in Europe. And that's how the friendship started. So yeah. I personally have no connection to Red Star. Even, you know, my club is, fans are related to them because like, you know, I, I, I wasn't there. I wasn't helped out by them. So to me, it's just a club, but, um, the, the friendship, the friendship is so tight that, um, fans go to each other to support, um, clubs, um, in derbies. And when Spartak opened their, a stadium at Arena. The fans requested that instead of having like a big club to play the opening match, they requested that Cervená Zvězda will play the the opening match. So the opening match on Kritya Arena was Spartak versus uh, Cervená Zvězda. It was a one-one uh, game, but um, yeah, that's 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 interesting that the the fans have that that connection. And therefore, sometimes I hear some news because of just like, you know, when you read about Spartak, uh, you get some, some news about Srevennes uh, Zvezda, and I kind of know what's, some, sometimes what's happening there. But, um, my knowledge of Spartak Travna was very similar to yours. I'm just looking at, at their um, uh, squad. For some reason, they have three players from Austria. That's, that's just, <laughs> I have no idea how those three ended up in Spartak Travna yeah I guess it's it's borders <laughs> yeah 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 i I
0: like the fact that you bring up the fan friendship aspect because of course um there is a strong link between Greek Serbian and Russian clubs right mm-hmm. and people will say well, that's odd um it's it's because of the of co- a lot of it is because of the faith right the the religious yeah. religious aspect and Greece, Serbia, and Russia have a very strong link with one another because they're all orthodox countries. So a lot of people, um, don't understand that link. I guess the link is easier to understand between Serbia and Russia. They're brother, they're brother countries, right? But Mm -hmm. when a lot of people look at Greece and say, where does this link, this link come from? And I mean, we have spoken about Greek football and we'll speak a bit more about Greek football in just a moment. It's really, it's really a fascinating link between those two countries. And I think, um, it's, it's interesting that you, that we, we can chat about this from time to time. But yeah. Serbia of course, very strong link to to, to Russia and um Svrina Svetsta is of course also sponsored by Gazprom. Um they got the job done in the in the second leg and uh I actually predicted in the preview that this would go into overtime because typical Svrina Svetsta's fashion. Um this is a club that has walked from one yeah, one not debacle, but, you know, unfortunate event to another. And, um, I really, really, Tim, I really, really want him to go and reach the Champions League group stage. And I think they can do it because they're playing a team that has a lot of resources is uh, connected to a big German club as well. I went to the game and they, they went very far in the Europa League um, last year. But Red Bull Salzburg, Tim, have never qualified for the Champions League since Red Bull has taken over what used to be Austria Salzburg. Wow. And it's usually at this stage where they always fall. Or they have <laughs> also fallen in earlier stages, including against the team against Luxembourg. Um, so this is, this is a team that's in many ways, ways cursed. So I am curious to cover this game because this is going to be a game between two teams that in some ways are cursed when it comes to the Champions League group stage.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, like, you know, you, you obviously have a lot of knowledge about Redsburg Salzburg because they're so, mm, you yeah, know, that's an interesting club, the whole structure of that. Uh, but again, you know, for for such such a club, which really like impressed a lot of people last year in the Europa League. Um, for Red Star, it's not it's gonna be very very hard. Yeah. Uh, so you know, obviously, I, it will be nice to see both clubs. But it, yeah, you bring up an interesting statistics that Red Bull always exit at this. So you know, all all the stats eventually being broke. So is that the year when it's gonna happen? Uh, but also, you know, just imagine it would be how nice it will be to see Dinamo Zagreb and Red Star in the Champions League,
0: huh? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, unfortunately, we, it <laughs> is the one thing that we will avoid is, um, or oh, we might actually not avoid it because Red Bull Salzburg and RB Leipzig, if they go out of this stage, will be playing in the Europa League together. But, uh, let's take that step when it comes. But, um, <laughs> the one interesting thing about RB Salzburg, and it's interesting how they're in the same boat with Red Star, um, in this, both clubs, will have significant changes to the roster if they get out uh if they get crash out of the stage. Uh, for Red Star, um there's a couple young players that they currently have in the squad that if they um if they manage to stay in uh, the Champions League, then they can hang on to them for one more year, right? Because that mm-hmm. Champions League football is a is a really good impetus to keep players around. Now Red's the Red Bull, Red Star and Red Bull yeah. Let's just just use the, the the Serbian name. It's much easier to keep them differentiated that way. Um they have a lot of players that have been linked to to other clubs as well. And um you know, someone like Amadou Haidara, for example, was linked to RB Leipzig, the sister club of um Red Bull Salzburg. He's currently staying around because Champions League football, right? Um, someone like Manu Tabur, the, uh, the Israeli striker or hee chin the South Korean striker. Again, those are players that are staying around because possibly we are potentially f- Champions League football. And the same is true for Yadi Samaseko. I went to, I did the, um, the Europa League semi-final. I was in Salzburg for that, for the second leg against Olympic Marseille. And I tell you, this, this club, they know how to play football. Tim, it's, they play some great football in Salzburg and the head coach, Marco Rose, a uh, German head coach who was linked with RB Leipzig. He was linked with Borussia Dortmund. He's done a fantastic job there to get his play, the, the most out of his players in terms of how they play football. So I think for them, this is really such an important match uh, in terms of getting to that group stage. And then, and of course, on the other hand, same for Swenja's Vesta. It's cruel, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it will be. Fu- it will be interesting if uh, Salzburg will be in the Champions League, and then uh, Leipzig will be in Europa League. Because that's. I think it, it doesn't. It should be. It should be the other way around, right? But that's. But that's 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 how it is. And uh, yeah, like you said, the, the last year um, Salzburg really impressed in the um, uh, Europa League, and. Yeah, it felt like at that game. Did you feel like bad for them when they when they exited? It just felt really that they kind of deserved to go to the final. Of course, you know, Marseille, you know, did the job, but the, you know, I think the neutrals were with Red Bull because they really impressed with their football and the way they played that second game, in the second um, semifinal. Um, so yeah. I don't know. It, it, obviously, it will be interesting, and again, it will be a match for us to to watch on grad and for all the football grad listeners.
0: Yeah, it was a contentious match too. The decision before the
1: yeah, yeah formers.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, we we have we have the article. If you if you want to know what happened, go over to footballstadt dot com. There's an article on this because we need to move on. Um, and we were saying Greek Greek football. Yeah, we will we're doing a little bit more Greek football this season because um for the simple reason it's fun, right, Tim. Um, so most of the time anyways. <laughs> not always. We, we we get to your match. But yeah, Greek football. We have two Greek teams in this stage and we're going to the one that did not break your heart yesterday. First, Ike <sighs> um, took out Celtic in dramatic fashion and uh, I predicted this result in, in, in Athens. Um, and you know why I thought that they would get this result? Because... Mm-hmm. Greece is such a tough place to play when you go away. Um, I went to uh, Pauk's, one of Pauk's home games last season when I was over at uh, Thomas where we did a bunch of stories on Greek football um for the Football Ground Network, Tim. And they're bonkers, man. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I saw that in a away game. And, uh, Spartak went back. They're crazy. That was so loud. It was, it was just impossible to play. They're, they're mental. Yeah. And it's, and it's, you know, and I'm saying mental in a good way because they're supporting their team and it's very hard to play against them. You know, it's like two countries, um, you really want to avoid going away. It's Turkey and Greece. Yeah. I,
0: I, I would agree with that. And I think Celtic, um, let's be honest here they did they did lose that game at home didn't they i mean the one one draw at the paradise and this is again this is another stadium chris williams did a game there last year in the champions league and i think he's still um his his eyes kind of glaze over every time he's he we talk about it because he's he seems to be slipping into a different world yeah. um it, it's an absolutely fantastic round as well so we lost a, we lost a really great stadium, um, for the Champions League in, t- in terms of uh, Celtic going out. But if you want to win in the Champions League, and this includes the, the qualifiers and the, the playoffs as well, you have to get the job done at home, right? Because you know that going to Greece isn't going to be easy. You know that going to play against the Greek champions, although, the team that we're going to talk after that will, will stretch, stress <laughs> that they are the champions. <laughs> uh, this is, this is going to be a fun one to talk about as well. But the Greek champion, Anik Athens, this is, this is a very good team. Uh, and, um, with, although Greek football is absolutely crazy, it's not just the fans, everything about it is absolutely <laughs> insane and uh, again go listen back to our uh, greek football crowd podcast specials Um uh, if you have any questions send us a tweet and we I'll, I'll happily point you in that direction because we did i think three podcasts last season on greek football and we'll probably do some more this year because it's just a fun league to cover at times they um they just know how to play at home
1: because of all the adversity that they face all the time right tim yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously, I, um, uh, yeah, like you said, the, the current champions, the, the, the official champions, which, you know, Pauk wouldn't, wouldn't probably agree, but, um, it's, uh, you know, I, the, yeah, like you said, the the, for them, if you look from the other side of the spectrum, for them, getting, getting a result away at Celtic in again, and in, again, another stadium, which you don't really want to go. Uh, both of those clubs, Glasgow Rangers and Celtic, have crazy stadiums and you, you don't want to be, uh, people say that, you know, that Derby is the loudest one, uh, in Europe. You know, I haven't been, so I don't have enough information to make a co- an, an informed decision, but still, um, and it's, it's, you know, good, for, good for you. I, I, like, like you said, it's a very fun league to cover and fun in terms of because there's so much crazy stuff happening that it's impossible to, <laughs> to even sometimes comprehend everything what's happening. Just, Ivan Savidis' story, that's just uh, one of examples. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, again, good for them. To be quite honest, if, if I, you know, I, I was tipping Celtic to go through and, uh, you know, they didn't, um, it, imagine how hard it is to be Celtic fan. It's like, it's, you win the league every year by far it's not even interesting for them and then you cannot compete in europe when they make to the group they're getting destroyed by you know barcelona or other clubs it's such I have no idea how you can be a, a celtic fan for for years, especially since you know the Glasgow Rangers had issues there's There's nothing really interesting happening for you because you're just winning every single game and every single trophy at home and you lose every single one you cannot compete in in Europe It's such a weird club to be a fan of, and I know how Scottish people are passionate about their their big clubs, so it's it just really and then when you exit. You know, when you probably lose to Barcelona, okay, fair enough. But when you exit and don't even qualify for, for uh, Champions League and then you exit from Ajax Anthem, Athens with yeah. all the respect, it's not the biggest club in Europe. That must be a painful experience.
0: And they were really bad in that yeah. game. Um, they have issues. And I mean, this, this, this we could do a p- p- special podcast on this, Tim, on the problems that a lot of European leagues have when it comes to being dominated by one team. Right, I mean, Greek football um, for a long time was only dominated by Olympiakos for mm-hmm. years and years and years and years. And it's only now that you have teams like Aik and Pauk, um, um, Nikos all of a sudden coming back and starting to challenge again. And that's, I mean, for my opinion, this very competition that we do right now we're talking about is the very issue, the Champions League, right? Because the teams that make it from those smaller countries in the Champions League, they all of a sudden have way more money than everyone else. Yeah. So we, we need to talk about the distribution of money. Um, I think the championship money should be going to the individual leagues and then evenly distributed in order to make sure that leagues stay competitive. Not only, I mean, we have the same issue with some of the bigger leagues now, Italy and Germany, for example, right? So that's, that's definitely, I'm glad you're bringing that up. And I think, um, maybe when we have an, a next issue of where we do a bit more of a financial background podcast, this could be a great one to discuss because it is, it is a big issue, especially In a lot of the leagues that we cover but we have to stay with greek football tim oh no (laughs) (laughs) because the park i feel like we talk a lot about power on this podcast and i was almost excited when park and Spartak were drawn together because um this this was a team that we covered so much in the spring and uh, i went to a power game and then we of course um had the Ivan savita story and savitas was there yesterday
1: yeah, and he said quite a few interesting comments, which will, which I will, uh, transcribe to the listeners. So fantastic. My
0: friend. Uh, fantastic. But let's start with the match. Now, I watched this game. You obviously watched it. Um, I am still very confused about this red card against Luis Adriano and, uh, the artifact. I think that was a big factor in the second leg. And I think that Sparta got a very good result in the first leg. 3-2. Defeat with the two away goes is not bad. But then, of course, Quincy Promise missed the penalty in that game, right? So yeah. what could have been that 3-3, um, that missed penalty by Quincy Promise, that would have been enough to see them through. Um now in retrospect, but then even at one man down, um, against, against Pauk, I thought Spartak played really well. They just couldn't get that ball over the line.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Just, yeah, like you said, we, we lost at home, oh, sorry, away, uh, 3-2. And after 17 minutes, it was 2-0 to Spartak, two away goals. We were completely dominating the game and it looked like it will be a fairly easy game. But then Pauk came back and they were just fantastic. And as a Spartak fan, I have to admit and I have to say that over two games, Pauk deserved to go through for, it was a glorious, really, really wonderful comeback in the first game and they defended and they fought and they were they got the result they needed in, in Moscow. So, as unfortunately as it is for me, I think Pauk deserves to go through and Spartak didn't do enough. But I agree with you, Spartak didn't play badly. Um, on the 30th minute, there was an incident which resulted in a red card to Luis Adriano. And um, like you said, it's a very debatable um red card. I don't even blame Luis Adriano. There's right now in the Russian press a lot of blame against Luis Adriano because really he got a red card in the 30th minute and the team had to play one man down and had to win and it was definitely, you can see how hard it was physically because when you play five minutes um, with ten men, it's okay, but when you have when you play 60 minutes it's 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 very challenging and physically demanding especially when you have to attack and you have one one less man uh, but at the same time i I, don't, like, I come back i don't really blame luis adriano because you kind of get this when you get luis adriano that's his style he winds up um, defenders and we've seen quite a few uh, incidents when it worked when he would wind up a player and he does it in a dirty manner there's no there's no there's no discussion about about that he does those dirty tricks but many times in the russian league it worked because then uh, he would get a reaction from a defender and it would be a, an, a foul it would be a penalty or it would be a red card so this is his style of play and this time he you know he did this dirty play and it worked against him it's yeah. it's still questionable because there's like because obviously Castro, the defender, he really, really did a good actor play because it was a slightly, you know, you know, it was, it was a little punch into his stomach and he really fell down like he was shot with a bazooka. But, uh, but, uh, but, you know, this is kind of, you know, this is the modern football and this is happens. And I don't even blame really Luis Adriano. He publicly, he posted, posted on Instagram, he apologized. But the reason we talk so much about this episode, because it really changed the game. In the first 30 minutes, it, it was, it was even game and Spartak had a couple of chances, but once, uh Luis Adriano was you know was sent off uh, it was it became really hard for, for Spartak to attack and still they did they had uh, two good chances Zobnin had a chance From pretty much from the open net uh, in the box Mm -hmm. from the corner. And then Zalouish had a good chance in the counterattack when Sameedov passed him. Uh, So they were, they made chances, but really it, it wasn't enough. And unfortunately, I believe that based on two games and based on that glorious comeback, Pauk deserved to go through. So what's, what's next for Spartak? They qualified for the group of in Europa League. And they will be playing um all obviously all the groups of Europa of Europa League. Um, to me I feel like Europa League it is a tournament for Russian clubs, but I prefer then Spartak goes to Europa League after they get the third place in Champions League group. So this time we got it through the playoffs. Uh, obviously lost out on money. Uh, it's it was reported that we lost out on thirteen million dollars because from from Europa League you get about two, and then from Champions League you get about fifteen. So it's it's um, obviously yeah. No, nobody is really happy, but um, it's it's again it's it's not really people don't really criticize the team and say because they saw that the team fought but unfortunately Pauk also wanted to go through and uh, they, they they were brilliant, especially, like I said, in that first leg when they came back from 2-0 and won the game. And you're right, that the, now that uh, penalty, which was missed by Quincy Promise, it's, it becomes a crucial, crucial mistake.
0: Yeah, I actually would go as far and say it wasn't a red card for Luis Adriano. I yeah. think that's a contentious decision at best. Um, I think that's... And make a decision like that in a game like that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I really, I think, and that was maybe the difference maker uh, in my books. And, um, yeah, I I still, I, I mean, maybe it was the shoddy stream that I watched, (laughs) but I, I could not, I could not see a reason why he would be sent off.
1: Um, yeah and then they they had the um, the analysis uh, like and they tried to see because the referee was blocked by yeah. the players. the assistant referee he was on the kind of further away he couldn't really see it, so it's really unclear who made the decision was it the 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 main referee or was it the assistant referee? They both were not in the ideal position, so it's they took a gamble on that red card. And uh, uh, obviously, gamble. A <laughs> yeah, yeah. In yeah. a
0: game like that, where it's millions on the lines, you take a gamble. I mean, come on, we just we have VR. I mean, I love. I know UEFA loves to have an army of referees. Um, <laughs> how many do they have now? Two behind the goal. Yeah. Two on yeah. the uh, one on the pitch. Two on the sidelines.
1: And one for for the substitutes. Uh, just <laughs> I don't know.
0: It's yeah, but I guess. That's UEFA's decision. They don't want VER. All right. Fair enough. But I personally think that was a contentious decision at best.
1: And I obviously agree with you on that.
0: But um Tim, Savidus, our man, <laughs> oh, yeah. he's banned from Greek football stadiums, but he was <laughs> hanging out and partying like there's no tomorrow. Um. so,
1: so a, couple, a couple of stories about him like obviously we covered that story when he just turned on pitch with a gun when Pauk played in the Greek league uh, so he's banned for three years uh, from uh, watching the, the team play when Pauk played at home against Spartak he showed up to the stadium like around the stadium he greeted every single player and kissed every single player once they left the bus and then he took a car and went back to the hotel because he's not allowed to be there at the stadium and he watched the game at the hotel so that's his way of of watching football now, uh, but when he arrived to to Moscow, he criticized the 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 the, the box like the baywood box which was given to him yeah. by the club. He didn't like it. He said, "Oh, I can't really see." So he said, "I'll buy my own ticket." So we saw him. He bought another uh, VIP box, which, in his opinion, was way better. And he watched the game from there. And he was very obviously emotional when Spartak left, uh, when Spartak uh, lost, and Pauk won. But after the game, he made such a crazy comment. He said that he really um, liked to see Spartak being humiliated in their own. Uh, Sold-out stadium, and he always hated Spartak because since he was a kid he supported Dynamo Kiev. So, <laughs> so it was quite a controversial thing to say, and like really saying. And he said in in Russian language, he said he it, he used the word humiliated. It was really like you don't we don't really you use that word, and you really when you you know. When you lose like seven nothing uh, at Anfield or Brazil versus Germany, that's a humiliation. So he used that word. And when you know it was zero zero with a shady red card, it wasn't really a humiliation. But he was so you know bright and he's in the choice of his words, and he, he said he hates Spartak. So it was <laughs> it was very glorious. I have to <laughs> underline that um,
0: in the Russian stadiums, when you go in, there's a big sign: "Don't bring any guns in." <laughs>
1: so. <laughs> they probably didn't have the gun at that stadium in greece so he just you know did what he used to do
0: in greece apparently it's legal to wear guns um so (laughs) he
1: he didn't break any
0: laws but i bet you they now have signs all over greek stadiums with the gun (laughs) crossed out um what a what a story uh even he, he is the man um he will be I guess watching a lot of away games this year in, um, <laughs> in Europe because the stadium ban in Greece. Again, um, we have, we have a special podcast on it. It's called the gun wielding, uh, gun wielding <laughs> oligarch. If you want to take, whenever you want to listen back to this story, um, then we don't have very much time left, but I want to talk about two transfers that happened in Russia mm-hmm. that have caused a little bit of a rippling effect. And, um, I want to start with the, We'll stay with your club first, Spartak. Yeah. Um, Eremenko, Roman Eremenko. He was banned for two years for doping, right? Um, for use of cocaine. Yeah. For the use of cocaine. Of course, that's, um, he got caught because of a doping test. Um, he signed a contract. He can play for Spartak in October when his ban runs out, but there is controversy about this because, of course, And this comes out all after the fact he made a promise to CSKA that he would play for them once his doping ban is out. And there is a bit of controversy now with Spartak fans because he's a CSKA man and with CSKA fans because of his promise, right?
1: Yeah, obviously there's there's quite a bit of con- con- controversy because um, the last player who moved from CSKA to Spartak was Evgeny Bushmanov, and that was in the nineties. So it was quite a few uh, times since since that since the transfer between two biggest rivals happened. So I, I'll give you two uh, quickly two angles on the story. The one story from CSKA point of view because when Roman Ilyinikov uh, was banned for uh, for cocaine for two years. Uh, it's, it's obviously, you know, and I'm, and I'm saying you bent for cocaine like on purpose because it's quite a dumb uh, thing to do for a professional, uh, sportsman. I, I heard there's some stories and I don't know how truth they are that it was really, it wasn't really, it was really a dumb decision on Roman's part, but I, I, I haven't been here, there, so I don't really know how truth is that, but, but really, um, the cocaine was found as his blood and, Obviously, it's a dumb decision, but CSK was very, very professional and very, very supportive of him. They never really pointed out on him. They gave him the support. I think they even paid him a salary for yeah. some period of time. So, the club was very supportive, and obviously, they did this uh, obviously for the goodwill, because Roman did a lot of good things for CSKA, and obviously, they had the plans uh, for him to return when, when the band runs over, at least to have a trial and see in which condition he will be. And... Uh, from Cescas point of view, it's really, they did everything very professionally and supported the player, and then the player doesn't stay to them and go to the biggest rival, so I can really understand the negative uh, which comes from C S K camp and from their fans against Yerominka. Uh, on the other side, from the player's point of view, uh, he really, people saying that he kind of let, let down his family, uh, and when he missed out on two years of his professional career. And that means in terms of just, you know, the, the finance, he didn't get paid for two years. And we all know that fut- footballers, they have a short, fairly short career. Maybe 10 years of act, active income coming in and they have to support their family for the remainder of their life. So, you know, missing out two years of a career is, is a massive, massive, uh, financial implications for a player. Yeah. So, so he said that that's the vision, which kind of, kind of the information which's coming from his side. He really needed a significant contract. And from what I understand right now, Spartak has him on kind of trial cont- contract. Until the end of the year, it's uh, not not that you know not that much money, but from what I understand, it will be significantly increased than uh, if if he kind of makes it into this uh, trial uh, in into the new year. So it it's also a financial question, and also um, the reason the reason why even this transfer has happened. Uh, from CSKA to Spartak is because of the agent. Marco Trabucchi is Roman Eremenko's agent, and Marco Trabucchi is Italian, and he's very, very connected to Massimo Carrera. Mm. Many, many transfers went through Mass through Marco Trabucchi um, um, because his players are coming to Massimo Carrera. They both live in Moscow. They're both Italians. They both work in Russian football, and they naturally just started hanging out when Massimo Carrera um, arrived. And... From now on, so many um Trabuki uh, players uh and ended up being in, in Spartak. There's way many, there's Luis Adriano, there's there's many players who came through Trabuki. So that was that's the reason why Iriomenka ended up being in Spartak out of many, many options which he potentially could have had um of for the next step of his career so that's the the agent is the reason why he is in spartak and that's the jerome angle and the spartak's angle that the fans are quite you know quiet and conservative on this situation because um you know we don't really know which Euromica we're getting he obviously is a good player but he hasn't played for you in, in football for for two years so we'll have to see yeah absolutely
0: i think you sum it up very well so we can go straight to the next one which is also a question of course that we had um Sent to us, Fedor Smolov. Um, he's moved to Loko Moscow. Look, I thought um he would be going abroad, but then of course Zuba has more or less taken away his World <laughs> Cup spot, and Zuba is the is the shining light again yes. um, when it comes to strikers, Russian strikers. So I think his market abroad was pretty much dead. Uh, he's now at Local Moscow, and Moscow cannot win a game right now to save their lives. Um, they lost one nil to Orenburg on Match Day Three. And are currently only fourteenth with two points out of three three games. There's been a lot of changes. I mean, now all together with Smolov, they brought in Krichjovia, they brought in Benedict Hervedis. Um this is a, a very good squad now and it seems almost as they have improved their squad with all these new players, including Fedor Smolov, that they're almost worse now than they were last year.
1: Yeah, yeah, they, they, they well, they, they obviously are. They, fourteenth place, and they don't really, they, they didn't win the game. Yeah, yeah, they didn't win because they lost the super cup, and then they didn't win a game in the league. Uh Going back to smallest transfer, it's, it's just easy enough. He really wants to play in Champions League. Yeah, that's that's his motivation. He lost out on money, and he said that uh his salary went down from uh, Krasnodar but he says uh, I can um I can give out g- give up some money uh, in exchange to an opportunity to play for the Champions League I'm pretty sure that um you know it I don't think it's his ideal uh, next step for the career um I don't think it it will a step which will move him forward as a player but it gives him an opportunity right now to get a chance to play in Champions League that's his only motivation and I think that's why the transfer has happened
0: I'm pretty sure that we don't see Smolov go abroad ever now.
1: Unfortunately, I don't think so.
0: I mean, he's 28. Yeah. Um, you know, he's going to going to play for Loco in the Champions League. Uh, I think something really dramatic needs to would have to happen for that not to materialize. Or maybe he scores six or seven goals in the Champions League group stage and someone signs him in the winter. But I I think that's it. I think the train has left. I think the train left when he decided not to go to West Ham last winter, right? Yeah, and then uh banged everything on this World Cup because he did everything. Yeah. he he banged everything on him being a success at the World Cup. And funnily enough, Russia were a success at the World Cup, but not because of him.
1: <laughs> no, absolutely not. He was the worst player on the side in the team.
0: And that's that's such a such, such a surprise in many ways because do you think teams just have found out how small of place?
1: You mean at the World Cup or in in, just in, in general? Russia? Um, he is, you know, he's a type of player when he plays well, when he is the number one striker and number one player and the whole team plays on him. Yeah. When he has to work in a team like it was in, in the World Cup in Russia, he really gets lost. So he's kind of, you know, unique in that sense. And that's why, you know, there are questions about his um situation in Europe, because in Europe are you Fedor small that the whole team will play on you there's so many other players who you know who, who can be in your place so and that's how he played in Krasnodar and in Ural he was the number one player and the whole team was just playing on him so that's that's so in terms of being found out um i don't think he is found out but once in, it's it, once it's going not to his to the way he wants to play then he kind of gets lost. I think that's that's how I see the situation.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very good way of summing it up. And that basically concludes this podcast, Tim. Um,
1: we're done? Yeah, we were thinking that it's going to be a short one, but uh, we ended up being very talkative and we had quite a few good topics.
0: Yeah, we did. And I mean, uh, I, I'm i really looking forward to this, this next round of the Champions League. I know you probably not as much. <laughs> uh, um, that said, there is a few really interesting games. Um, is there any one that you really kind of pick out and say, this is the one that I'm going to really watch closely
1: during the playoffs? You know, I think my choice uh, will be on the game Dinamo Kyiv Ajax yeah. because uh, both teams are, have very good history and both teams, like I said, they are Champions League clubs. Yeah. And like I said, we obviously have Dynamo Kiev as a football grad, so we'll be supporting them. So I agree with you. It's 50-50. Maybe I have a little bit more, but it's definitely a game which will be, um, interesting to watch. And, um, that will be my choice for well, what about you? Yeah, definitely that one. But
0: I'm also really curious about Benfica against Pauk. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's going to be an interesting one to watch. And- and Svrina Svets the Red (laughs) (laughs) ball, the Red Derby yeah the Red Derby I really want to see if uh, Salzburg can finally get through on, um, on a personal level I would love to see Belgrade a Belgrade club in the Champions League I think that would be a fun away trip um, for anyone who gets that. Uh, it's, it's Belgrade is a, a fantastic city, and the Maracana, uh, the stadium in Belgrade, the Red Star Belgrade stadium is is a fantastic facility. It'd be great to see them in the Champions League, and be great to cover that on uh, um, on the football ground network. So yeah, that that's my choice, I guess, uh, or choices. But <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, Ajax, Dynamo Kiev. If if there is one that you want to watch, that would be the one. Well, Tim, that's it. Um. Where can people find you? What have you been up to? I know you are extremely busy at the moment.
1: Yes, I am. I'm doing a three-day festival, which actually starts tomorrow in Vancouver. It's a festival of local music. I'm organizing uh, a festival which will feature 18 great local bands. So it's it's a crazy amount of work because it's not only a festival. I released a magazine. I released a compilation. Wow. So, so it's it's a lot of work. And um, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm just swamped with that. But uh, yeah, if you want to check it out or if you want to check out some music from Vancouver... Um uh, the compilation is called um punk uh, punk cover and the festival is called rocket from russia fest so you can check it out and see some music so that's gonna happen in the weekend and uh, yeah people can find me on the internet on instagram at rocket from russia and russian tim 61 on twitter and thank you by the way uh for all your tweets and uh yeah that's good
0: yeah absolutely and we're going to pluck this tim make sure that it is both on my personal Twitter channel, uh, at Manuel Weff. I'm going to make sure to give you a tweet out. Um, get Thank people you. in Vancouver involved in this because yes, support local music. It's important. Um, don't just go to the football. Also go to the music. I think that's, uh, the two go hand in hand in many ways. So go out there, support that. You can, you can find, I'll, I'll tweet this out at Manuel Weff. Um, also on the Football Guard Network, Twitter at Football Guard Live. You can find this podcast, our Bundesliga podcast, all our articles, our previous on the Champions League. Stories on the Champions League. All of that will be at Football Grad Live. Well, guys, that's it. Until next week, dos